Welcome to No Clue. Uh, this is going to be part two of our Dark Souls discussion. Uh, when we recorded it, we ended up going for like an infinite <laughs> amount of time. Oh yeah, and thank you We're for doing still this talking and about it. reminding us that we actually do need to do this. Yeah, we, really we need necessary. to have we do need to have some bumper. Yeah. We can't just release a podcast that starts with us being like, so the combat system in Dark Souls is like, <laughs> uh... Yeah. And we can't do a limited resources style six to seven hour podcast with no context. Yeah, no, we so, uh, Be on the lookout for parts three through 25 yeah. of our yeah. Dark Souls podcast. Yeah, in the coming year. And the uh, the bonus c- compare to die Bloodborne <laughs> Dark Souls podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start right now. So, yes. Since Fortress ruined the game for me, why did it ruin the game for you, Chad? Because it introduced. So this is before we're gonna cut. So oh, uh, damn it! But since Fortress ruined the game for me by adding traps and making me have to like take the game at a much slower pace than I prefer to, and you're you were a magic class that preferred to play the game at a fast pace. Well, yeah, because magic kills things faster than <laughs> melee does. Ah, different definition of fast. I see. Yeah, that's um. Okay, so I guess just for context, for coming back from the break, you liked that the game made you feel unsafe. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And I, I almost love it generally when the games make me feel unsafe. I, by and large, agree with that point. I think that the game does a good job of making you feel unsafe at all times, but. The thing that I don't like is that, God, everything about Dark Souls is slow. And that is the antithesis of what I like in a game, especially one that I'm going to be spending a lot of time in. I like to move fast, do things quickly, mm-hmm. and I like to be in, I, I like to feel like I'm in control. And when I'm not in control, that's those are my panic moments. I want that to be like the heart pounding, like now I need to regain control. Mm-hmm. Dark Souls, through its combat system, which I like a lot, but the thing that that sort of stops me from fully embracing it and loving it all the way through the game is the fact that you are almost never in control of fights. And you're certainly not in control when you stumble over a platform and get shot in the back by a fucking arrow cannon. Right. And just because I was so concerned, it took a lot of the fun out of exploration for me. Because as we talked about in Blight Town, I liked running and jumping off of a thing to try and get to, like, another area. Or, like, finding an item that was, like off, like, you had to, like, do a tightrope walk to go get it. And that stuff was cool and fun. And having to, like, constantly be on the lookout for, like, a hidden archer or a fucking panel on the floor that's gonna drop me into an abyss. Okay. Really, like, just took so much of the fun out of the exploration, which is my arguably one of my favorite parts of the game. So you guys both know how much I love playing, like, assassin-y, thief-y archetypes. This in, is a fact. Yeah, in games. Do it all the time. Part of the reason that I love that and why I expect I'm going to adore Bloodborne forever when I get it, uh, I think is incredibly relevant to this discussion right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think being in control of a situation and feeling safe are necessarily the same thing at any time. Right. I think the, the like being that like high damage, really vulnerable class 
is exactly that because it suggests like you you know you can get through situations often when you're in classes like that if you are perfect if you don't make critical errors and are like constantly analyzing this every, that everything that approaches you or is in front of you or it's in your environment then you have the possibility to be in control because you can move and react faster than the things around you and the things in your environment right. that's what gives you the possibility of control that does not make you safe oh my god it just makes you stressed it just makes you like constantly panicking trying to take in all this information from all these different places because you know the possibility of like you know unconditional victory is there you know you have the tools the problem is you, the person using the tools, being forced to use them in that way. You, you don't feel safe because you know you're capable of, of having errors, but you can feel in control the whole time regardless because of that. Having to constantly like criticize yourself and reevaluate the way that you approach situations is the way that you maintain control while feeling unsafe. Right. And it's in fact something that I love about video games generally. It's one of my favorite types of engagement when you get into games, whether they be like literally fast action RPGs, like, you know, like, I guess to, to a lesser extent Kingdom Hearts because you're much more padded than that, but like in action RPGs like that or Bloodborne or Dark Souls, or even in situations like Fire Emblem where it's my active analysis of the situation, even though at my own pace, that allows me, like I know when I'm playing a map in Fire Emblem that I have the capability of winning if I do everything perfectly and think about everything that's happening in the environment and in relation to the enemies, but I also know that if I make one critical error, someone's going to die and I'm not going to accept that and quit and restart. Right. I, it just as like a point, I find it interesting that having that instinct, you don't enjoy horror games. Because that was actually going to be my like context point mm -hmm. for this discussion is that I like feeling unsafe to the point that one of my favorite genres of games is one that makes you completely defenseless. Yeah. And like it relies entirely on your ability to get like to avoid danger. Yeah. But I like it in the context of a horror game, not which I mean Dark Souls and Bloodborne can both be classed as a horror game. Sure. But that's not the primary engagement I think everyone's right. going to agree, right? right. Yeah. In those games, I would prefer, especially in something that's so combat-oriented, to not always feel like I'm being the one... I don't like to be the one who's being assaulted. I like to be the assaulter. <laughs> You're only ever the one being assaulted. Yeah. In Dark Souls. Yeah. In horror games, I think part of the reason I don't like them often is because it's not possible for me with perfect information to be in that perfect control circumstance. Right. Like everything in a horror game is often intentionally not signaled so it can be scary. Right. The really like easy way to describe this would be like jump scares. And because I don't play a lot of horror games, the only like immediate go-to that I can think of for this is that moment in Bioshock oh. Infinite oh. Uh, where it's like there's like one horror level in that game. I, oh yeah, because you wouldn't know if you didn't play Infinite. Nope. But, the ghosts... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, you you go like like forward in time and like an alternate timeline, oh, right, right. and you're in that weird sort of insane with all the guys with the masks. Yeah. At the very end of that, uh, after you like pull a lever or something, uh, right when you, you realize you can't move, and then when you turn 360 degrees around, there's just like a guy like, in front of you, <laughs> yeah. like six inches from your face, and he screams. 
Uh, and by screams, I mean blows horns because his head is a horn. Yeah. I won't describe this further. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shock Infinite. Um, Don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like in that circumstance, like that is such the antithesis of that half of the style of engagement that I was describing because I don't like plan for that. Right. Like, I get, you could argue that like whether or not that's a fail state because like technically it's not. You still go through it. But like there was no way for me not while going into that to feel I couldn't do anything about that situation literally. It right. was actually scripted. Yeah, it's just a thing that's supposed to surprise and frighten you. Yeah. Yeah. And am I, am I being unfair by thinking that that happens a lot in horror games not necessarily little oh, no. scripted events but it's just the context is the, is the yeah. thing that's different like, the context in a horror game is that you're in the game to be frightened and surprised and then to react to it in a way that doesn't make you like a pulpy mass on the floor <laughs> Dark Souls is a game that's about knowing that there are things that are out there with the express purpose of making you into that said pulpy mass yeah but planning and dealing with them in a in a interactive combat scenario. Yes, in Dark Souls, you move first. Right. All, if if you are paying attention in all of these circumstances, you in, there might be sometimes that probably you could also think of Andy that I'm not thinking of. But like the best moments in Dark Souls to me are always the moments where you move first, where you have the opportunity to think, where you have the the information necessary to plan even if it's just like the, briefest period of time right. like literally four seconds I love that that exists that makes action games for me often and with the new and improved great soul arrow you move only <laughs> <laughs> enemies got you down great soul arrow is the key to success so I think that we've gotten that pretty well handled yeah, yeah. the thing that I don't like about it is just the types. yeah um, but when I am engaging in the combat in Dark Souls, I am usually enjoying it. Because, like, one-on-one sparring in this game is some of, like, the most, like, deep and intense fighting in games. Calling it sparring is a good, good word. Yeah. I like that in description for Dark Souls. But you have other thoughts? Um, uh, let, me see, let me organize my thoughts here. Yeah, because my... Uh, initial thoughts on the combat are that it is solid but not exceptional mm. and I guess that comes from the fact that the depth I think comes from the enemy placement and from the stamina bar Right. the actual like attacks you do with your weapons though I don't think are anything like exceptional like you swing a sword you're just like <laughs> I'm waving my arm back Right. Uh, More you know, great, you're just like, like and then you, and you raise a yeah. shield so the things that like you do are really simple the depth comes from the stamina bar and the enemy placements See, I it's agree. what I mean right. when yeah. I say it's solid but not exceptional I, I agree that like the variety of enemy types is like what we complained about in Transistor of there being too few enemy types and too often they just put them in a box and you fight them it's like if they saw that issue and just, like, dedicated years <laughs> to fixing just that issue, you would end up with Dark Souls. Because in Dark Souls, there's probably five or more new enemy types that you've not encountered yet in each area, of which there are a dozen or so. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
you are constantly being faced with things that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, that's, I mean, that's part of what makes the game engaging, is because, and, and I think it's part of the reason that they went with the, like, slower, more defensive combat as, yep. like, the, I feel like I should backtrack here. The game is definitely not designed to only accept the aforementioned sword and board turtle fest. Yeah. But the game teaches you that initially, and it is, like, just presumed to be the way that you... The first thing that you encounter is a guy with an arrow. Well, you're given a, hit, a thing to hit a guy with. Mm-hmm. And then you are presented with a guy to hit. And you hit the guy, and he dies. You're like, simple, got it, understand. Yeah. Then you are faced with a dude at the end of a long hallway firing arrows at you. And they're like, here's a shield. Use the shield to block the projectile. So the game is almost explicitly saying, like, have a shield, have a thing to hit a guy with, and you will be mostly prepared for everything that you're going to face in the game. And the, is, that's probably a good thing that most people go in with that mentality because that sort of like sword and shield gameplay helps you sort of engage with the world of Dark Souls because there's so much that you don't know about that being able to just like put up a defense and approach and see what you're dealing with is like just a smart, good way of going about yep, it. But it, it is, it's the way you play the game that lets you think. Yeah. You can only have the luxury of being like the dodgy, fast person after you know when to be dodgy and when to be fast. Exactly. And yeah, it, the game is not hard-coded to do that. You just can do other things, but it's just not like signaled particularly well. And I feel like... I mean, fuck, I played a, yeah. I played a goddamn ink class. Like, I just didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also took note of, like, the depth uh, Depth also comes from all the variety of things that you can do. Yeah. The, Even though it's not entirely clear at the start, but... Oh, yeah. That's yeah. another thing that I wish they had, they had signaled a bit better in relation to, like, items and weapon placements. I, If I hadn't have just, like, coincidentally tried things myself, which I guess is nice, it's just more yeah, little I discovery mean, things. The game wants you to experience, find out that way. Right, but it, it's... Hard for the game to signal to you how diverse the move sets actually are on the different weapons, even in between weapons of like similar types. Yeah, right. That's uh, but you guys brought up uh while I was playing through the game something that I did not know, which was that the game was ostensibly rushed. Rushed, like yeah, it was a game that they were like, you have to put out a game, and they were like, oh, and they like cobbled together Dark Souls, <laughs> which doesn't seem like a thing that is possible to do. They put out. Demon Souls in 09 and Dark Souls came out in 2011. Yeah. Which like, for like a AAA RPG is like a pretty short development time. Yeah, it would take me two years just to think of the number of enemy types <laughs> yeah. that are in and Dark like, Souls. You can imagine like all the pre-production and how long all the art and stuff took to make. Oh yeah, yeah. like, you want me to, to draw what? Yeah. <laughs> person? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, you know, like a lava monster with, like, a forked arm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then the other arm is, like, in his chest, but it has the ability to, like, be not his chest anymore. It can, like, pull it out. Right. And and it's, but his chest still sort of looks chesty without the chest. Lots of tendrils. Yeah, I want, it, <laughs> the better. I want it to be discharging, but just, like, 
ceaselessly. Yeah. yeah. Also, it should look natural when it like leaps far distances. <laughs> yeah, but, but then, like a really sad looking face. <laughs> but make sure the face has like nine eyes that are yeah. sort of just distributed so, all yeah, over. It's both sad yeah. and scary at the same Th- time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sad and scary at the same time. So it's basically that... like the Dark Souls like ethos. Yep, and I want that on my desk by Monday. <laughs> were you the one who told me because we're making fun of it and all this because of just how absurd the things are but this isn't supposed to be intended of course in any way as any sort of like you know slight against like oh they just rushed through all these crazy creatures uh, I forget if it was you who told me from like or whether I just read this interview independently that at one at one point one someone on the art team had like drawn up a more disgusting version of the zombie dragons that exist in this game and it sent it off. It was like, I think it was like oozing pus or something all over the place. Like, you know, nasty, horrible uh-huh. things. But, uh... <laughs> you're like, you're fired. Yeah. The leader, the guy who made this game. I, I'll read Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Yeah. But Miyazaki, like, sent it back and was like, this doesn't have dignity. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Uh, he attempts to, like, imbue all of the bosses with some kind of, like, quiet dignity intentionally. He wants them to be horrifying, but not, like literal horror movie monsters they want to be like sort of regal or imposing in yeah. some way I did not tell you that no. honestly I think that the zombie dragon as it is now is actually kind of like cute <laughs> he's got like kind of a big doofy head and... like a cute little pedigree <laughs> okay, he's of... got kind of like a dog fist the, yeah, almost yeah, like, like a, a big, zombie dog yeah like a zombie yeah. dog dragon dog uh I kind of get what you're saying, but yeah. I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't call him cute. I said kind of cute. Okay. Uh, though, that being said, after you pointed out to me, sadly, necessarily pointed out to me, the zombie dragon in the painted world. Oh, yeah. That's super obvious that I just missed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he went through that whole area and missed the zombie dragon's existence. There's like a whole, there's a whole <laughs> area when you, when you get to the center of town, you yeah. just look left and it's just center screen. I, he just didn't look left. I guess left. I just didn't look left. Like he, you, like, it's even like the game, you like walk out the door and there's all this like open space to the left and you're drawing <laughs> your attention to it and he was just like, Tunnel vision right down here yeah. to the right. Dude. And I was like, he came out the door and I was like, okay, Chad, look left. And he was like, this is my second, because I went through the painted world by myself the first time and nobody watching. Yeah. And then I went back for something. I don't remember what to Me get either. a thing. Uh, he hadn't opened the shortcut either. Yeah, I missed the shortcut. But, uh, like the door, like right at the beginning, he hadn't opened yeah. it. Um, you didn't use the key. Right, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. But either way, I went back, yeah, that zombie dragon, not as cute, because he awesomely rips the bottom half of his body off <laughs> to crawl at you, which is horrifying in every way, Oh yeah. I loved it. It was they, amazing. They even signal all of that craziness, because when he first, like, when his animation begins playing, the first thing that happens is just, like, a chunk of him falls off in yeah. the abyss. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh. Um, what were we talking about before oh. we went off on this tangent? Oh, you said something about it having like a shorter development. Yeah, time. Oh. the game was rushed, but all the things in it are still crazy and way better than you would expect from modern AAA game right. the limitations. Yeah, what's astonishing is like, well, the reason that I brought it up because we were talking about combat is the fact that the game has like fucking 30 plus, probably way more than that, weapons to choose from. Oh, yeah. If you include shields in that, it's, it's got to be over the 50 point. Right, like yeah, there's tons between of shields, them. catalysts, and all the different varieties of weapons that, admittedly, do fall into like classes. Yeah, that attack in similar ways. Um, it's still just amazing that they were able to fit all of that 
in in a short development time because every weapon plays completely differently. Yeah. Because I played, uh, like, well, the Catalyst, I just had to have at all times, but, like, <laughs> I had the Fury Sword and the Scythe and... What was the third Scimitar? One? And, well, the Scimitar became the Fury Sword. They, but they still played differently. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, like, the, all of those weapons, like, behaved completely differently. They're unique weapons from bosses... There's all this stuff. Oh, the uh, the the spear. Oh, that's what it was. The, the moonlight butterfly, butterfly spear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which eventually got replaced by just an enchanted falchion because it does more damage. <laughs> Regardless, it's really yeah. impressive that they were able to do all this stuff. Yeah. Yep. And you can like pick weapons to suit how you want to play the game. Yeah. Which is like, you can play as boring as possible and hide behind shields while poking at things. Yeah. Yeah. Super boring to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find it particularly boring. What was boring is you get, had, watching you do the Bed of Chaos run, because that's, like, when I showed up that one time. Uh, and, like, I just, like, walked in and then was subjected to, like, an hour and a half of just you poking jugs. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, over was, and over. JJ, you're just, like, strafing around an enemy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> strafing. Dude. This, you know what's actually boring now? Spe- yeah, yeah. The bed of chaos. Oh yeah, bed of chaos sucks. It is. Yeah, you uh, I think we should get to that uh, a little bit. Sure. Damn. The spears actually are emblematic. I think of what I don't like about this game is because my na- not this game. They make it even slower. Yeah. Yeah, because like <laughs> my natural instinct when playing with the spear was to put the shield down to do the attack that dealt more damage, uh, and it's like the the spears are designed. To just have consistent damage output. Yeah. Like, the spears just drain health bars, whereas other ones lop chunks of them off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that just felt so weird, which is why I replaced the, the horn, because it was like, oh, this is not gelling <laughs> me at all. Like, I just didn't understand what to do. And so, like, yeah, just, I, w- I wish I had, mm, God, there's so many regrets I have about this. I don't actually have regrets, but, um. No, I, I, do, <laughs> uh, I do sort of wish that I had, like, experimented a little bit more to see if there was, like, a completely shieldless way to go, uh, because the, I feel like I would have just enjoyed the experience a little bit more. You could have two-handed, like, a huge weapon or something. That's what a lot of people do. I, I guess it's not technically shieldless, because you have a shield on your back often. Mm-hmm. Like, when people... Because there's no, like, really you good thing you can use the, le- the left slot with that isn't, like, shieldy. Like, equipping a weapon, it just lets you parry stuff, right? Yeah, and equipping, like, a catalyst. I guess you could use spells, but that seems hard. But, like, well, a lot of people just two-hand stuff and then keep the grass crest shield on their back for stamina regen. Oh, that's actually smart. Yeah. Uh, you can also... That's I guess, my character was based around. Kind of an interesting... Uh, plan of attack would be to go like, like right-handed weapon, left-handed pyromancy glove. Because mm-hmm. I, when I discovered that like you could put the catalyst in either hand and still use spells, I was like, oh, this like opens up a whole new world of things that I'm just not gonna fuck around with. Because <laughs> let's be honest, I take a lot of souls. I don't have all those souls. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Fuck. Okay. So, combat, individual enemies act sort of like sparring, um, where, like, the small enemies and even some of the larger ones you kind of just treat as, like, an equal in combat, and you sort of dash around them and, like, try and find your opening and go for it. Mm -hmm. 
the counterpoint to that is what is the game's like big climaxes, which are the bosses, and these are pretty much like most people when they talk about Dark Souls who are just like casually aware of Dark Souls know that the game is supposed to be unrelentingly difficult, which as we've already determined is not really that true. Mm -hmm. It's just challenging. It just does things and you have to react to them in a smart way and most people aren't used to doing that. Uh, In games, I mean. (laughs) I'm sure most people don't just like, there's a thing in front of my car. Uh." (laughs) No intentional disses on the human race so far in this podcast. (laughs) Uh, And that the game is full of huge, intimidating bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't have a whole bunch on the bosses, even though they are like such a like heavily lauded part of the game. My notes on the bosses were that the like Lord Soul bosses were disappointing. Oof, oof! I am a fires within my soul burn brightly, and so many comments made in this podcast. Fire in my soul. Because yeah, I felt like the early part of the game had like a good progression of bosses, where they like up to like Ornstein and Smo, mm-hmm. which I thought was too high of a spike. But you know, like up through that, I thought it was like a nice progression. of In bosses. your defense, I think that Ornstein and Smo are probably they, they were the har- actual hardest boss in the game. Yeah, yeah they're, they're I, like, I think it is as well. But um, and then after that, I think the game kind of drops the ball because. It each one of those fights, which the ones I'm referring to are the Four Kings, Seath, Nido, and the Bed of Chaos, all all yeah, all work around these gimmicks because they they wanted to differentiate the fights from the other ones instead of just playing to their strengths, which all the other bosses had until this point. Whereas like Seath has the crystal you have to break, and then after you break it, it's not that hard. Right. Nito is like a trick boss where like if you lose your cool and you run around the big donuts room, right. if you get killed, that's how we describe it. The first you time. get skilled, so This is just how he calls it. You get ske- you get killed by skeletons and then you realize you have to stay in that one spot and you'll be able to kill him. Yeah, and then he's not that hard. Uh, Nita is a big mushy bastard. Yeah, like the bed of chaos is the bullshit. worst boss in the game. Absolutely, yeah. and, and it's just. Break down its defenses and kill it in one hit. Right. It's annoying, but not. I mean, it's kind of hard. You do get to really roll through a bunch of breakable yeah. branches. It's though, not hard. Yeah, it's not hard in the way that earlier bosses were hard. And then the Four Kings is a boss where you have to not play it safe. You have to run in close to them and kill them fast. Right. And it's just it, each one of them works around a gimmick that makes you play different than the rest of the way you've been playing the rest of the game. Right. I think a good definition of whether or not something is a gimmick is whether or not learning the fact behind the gimmick makes the rest of the encounter trivial. And while I think that is absolutely true of Bed and Seath, which I agree are pretty bad, specifically by the standards of this game, bad bosses, and are un- without question the reason that both the difficulty curve and like the interest curve of this game drops after Ornstein and Smog. I don't think the stuff that you have to do in the Four Kings and in Nito's case are gimmicks, because you have to do a whole lot more after that to succeed in the fight. That's true. I'll give you Four Kings. I still think Nito's one of the easiest bosses yeah. in the game. I like, because uh, when I watched your 
what is it, now your third playthrough with Cernod? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cernod. <laughs> um, he, like, your performance on Nito, as I said, slightly intoxicated at the time, made me look like a little bitch. <laughs> because, like, I was just straight freaking the whole time. But, yeah, like, that's what the boss wants you to do. Right. Yeah. But, like, I beat Nito even with that on my first go. Like, didn't summon anyone, just walked in and just started, like, like firing arrows. Uh, As your chat does. <laughs> I fuse all day. Um, and, but, like, yeah, he's just, like, he's so huge and threatening and then presents so little actual threat uh, that, like, the skeletons are just the hardest part of his fight. Yeah. But I still, like, freaked out, like, was rolling everywhere and, like, had, like, a sliver of health. He's, like, fucking... 13 Estes Blast, <laughs> and uh, you just kind of like calmly walked up and just beat the tar out of him. Yeah. He's like, oh, Andy, please stop! Oh! <laughs> you yeah. just bullied Nito. Yeah. Maybe I just got lucky or something, but like both Nito and the Four Kings, like I figured out like immediately and was able to kill them with little Well, to be fair, the Four Kings was just how you played the game anyway. Yeah, yeah it rewarded, it rewarded my playstyle and punished JJ's. Yep. Yeah. It also punished mine. Because like, yeah, unless you, you to... count my yeah. playstyle of having a guy be the boss with me. <laughs> yeah, I, we actually, I don't think we've stated this explicitly, the Four Kings for our podcast listeners were my high point of the whole game. Yes. To be fair, awesome setup, yeah. awesome aesthetically, so everything about the fight, other than the actual fight for me, <laughs> totally awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the Four Kings. I think Four Kings are objectively the best of the Lord Soul fights. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I, I actually like so. Seath second, but just basically from an aesthetic standpoint. Yeah, yeah Seath is really pretty. Yeah, <laughs> Seath is, because it's He's such a... sweet boss arena, too. Yeah, yeah. that whole, like, the whole Crystal Caves... Is such a glaring like contrast yep. to everything else Dark Souls has given you. The Duke's and, archives all the way through to see this is my favorite part of the game. Yeah, and fucking I love, love that there are like non-hostile moonlight butterflies in the area. Yep. Like it's just because they're such a cool aesthetically like thing, like well-designed thing, <laughs> and that they got to use more than once, and it's just like. I'm all for whenever that happens. Same thing with Caverdine. I don't like his boss fight, but I love that he's in the Demon Ruins, just like fucking chilling out. Yeah, yeah. with his nine friends. <laughs> yeah, with a million. Once again, Caverdines. using uh, enemies to give you a sense of progression through the right. game. Yeah. That's definitely not coincidental either. That they oh, took bosses from the first part of the game when they were and on like regular enemies when they were on crunch time, and you know. Oh right. Yeah, but yeah. They, they like maximize the. Uh, exposure of their yeah. cool designs. Yeah, it's a smart move. Especially yeah, it like, just makes you feel like a total badass. You're like, yeah, I can kill these guys in like four <laughs> hits now. <laughs> especially since like uh, I've only encountered that one time in Bloodborne uh, that I've ever seen a boss reused. It's like when they had like a full development cycle on that one, so they probably were just like, let's just make some new dudes. Yeah, they reuse some stuff in the Chalice Dungeons. Oh yeah, well those are like full optional things. Right. I just it was in a cave and was attacked by a bloodstarved beast, and I was like, oh my god! Dude's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. Uh, You're like the panicking civilian in the setting of Bloodborne. Oh, in Bloodborne, I'm constantly on panic. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Either way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, no, okay, so Seath and the Crystal Caves are, like, a cool, like, aesthetic difference. Um, yeah. The entire second half of the game is all aesthetically different from the first half, which I think is a nice Even if that aesthetic touch. is you can't see the aesthetic that you're in. What? It, uh, Tomb of the Giants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if that aesthetic is literally no aesthetic in the most literal <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> no aesthetic. <laughs> oh, I'm super jealous, actually, now that I've learned about this, that you ki- that you entered the uh, Daughter of Chaos cabinet and got through the shortcut. I didn't realize that if you did that, you could just get the Sunlight Maggot there. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would just be. I would have worn the Sunlight Maggot, like, through most of the game. <laughs> Not because I thought it was too dark, but because I liked having, like, a big bioluminescent star attached to my head. Of course you did. Yeah, my... My headwear through the game was gargoyle helmet, big hat, and then the, the Xanatos crown. <laughs> I'm all for goofy headwear. You are. Um, but the Bed of Chaos, though, is, like, the worst part. so bad. So it's, bad. It's weird that... And that's it's more evidence of the short development cycle. They are probably, like, headed too far, and they were like, oh... Sucks. <laughs> we don't have the time to change it. <laughs> well, I'm curious because I don't know. It serves anything. it serves the lore. That's what I was gonna ask. Is like, what is like the the purpose of it being a tree? Uh, Why? Because well, they build I'll it tell up. You what I know. Right. Sure. Is it's what happened to the witch of Isolith when she tried to recreate the first flame? Right. Turned her into a horrible demon monster and also created demons. She created a new form of life. And I think it's a byproduct of the like the geometry of the area. Like there's all the tree branches and stuff. Mm. I think that's why she's part tree. No, because the, the tree stuff is too intrusive. The tree grew out from her space. I always interpreted it as like part of trying to recreate the first flame was like literally trying to light some kind of kindling, whatever that may have been. We have no way to access the information. There's, but you see the bonfire down there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that has some interesting lore application. But the bonfires and all those bonfires just sort of appear. I don't know. It's yeah. weird in all the cases. But like you see when you go through the rest of Bloss Idolith that like the roots from this tree are like literally invading like everywhere uh, else yeah. that you are. But yeah, they, they, you think they all came from her? Yes. Like, I, I thought that, that like, she's the bug. And right. then, like, the fire that she created is the thing that's possessing the tree and, like, yeah. using the tree. Right. Because the tree, like, the roots and stuff are growing through, that's, like, buildings yeah, and structures that's that exist. a cool interpretation. I always thought it seemed natural, though, because of uh, the whole, like, world is, like, supposedly, like, exists above the Great Hollow. It's yeah. like, you know, like, the world tree myth. Yeah, it's not even clear how that functions. Well, yeah, it, it just operates as if mythology was true. Like, it's, it's yeah. an abstract thing. It's, yeah. yeah, it's very strange. But uh, I always just thought that was where the roots were coming from. It was like the Great Hollow. That is also a cool interpretation. And you know what is additionally cool to both those interpretations? neither of them are wrong. <laughs> yeah, because the fact that this game makes that literally possible. Not just in terms of that you can have these discussions, but you can have like inform, partially informed discussions in this way by the way this game does storytelling. Yeah, yep. not even just cool, it is the explicit goal of the storytelling yep. in this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't Do know... Do want to bust out the quote? <laughs> the, the quote that everyone always uses? Yeah. Yeah. Why the game's designed this way. Well, I'm curious if we want to do that or if there are other, like, boss-related things. Oh, no. no screw that. Screw bosses. Yeah. All right. Um, no, but the story behind it is, is that 
Miyazaki when he was a kid liked to read Western fantasy novels, and he had like a very limited English vocabulary, so there'd be parts that he couldn't read, so he'd have to fill in the gaps himself. Mm-hmm. And he wanted the, re- the game to like capture that feeling. And I'm like almost 100% sure that like everyone who would be listening to this has Already probably heard yeah. this before. But it's just, like a widely circulated thing. Just for anybody who... But there's a reason know. that it's widely circulated, and that's because it is cool. Well, yeah. It's like... It makes you appreciate the game more. Yeah, to me, like, the way that that, like, uh, the way that that knowledge resonates, like, within my understanding of this game, is, like, when you find out that, like, an artist who painted this particular piece that you really like was, like, schizophrenic, or, like, had part of his brain lobotomized, (laughs) or you're like, this is, like, some weird scenario that, like, is so uncommon that, like, this one talented, creative guy had this unique experience that almost nobody does, yeah. and it culminated into something that is cool that everyone can now experience. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like we can't, it's not like a credit to From Software. It's like a credit just to, like, the, like, crazy nature of, like, chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and obviously it's a good thing that it happened, considering... Good for us. Yeah. Very good yep. for us. <laughs> I, is it bad for someone? <laughs> <laughs> it's bad for the developers of Frost from saying, software during crunch time. Yeah, I was which was saying, their it's life bad for, for the developers years. of like Mark of Cree, like an uninspired like hack and slash game. <laughs> like ah, we've been we've been bamboozled. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the storytelling now? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Good opportunity. Yeah. I had a note like a pretty unfortunate sad note about this when I was like 20 hours into the game but I've since sort of come around to it uh yeah so. I it basically just to kick it all off yeah I'll say that at its core it's got a simple story like the main storyline it's dark versus light essentially typical fantasy fair but uh and it's a really positive thing when you're dealing with like weird fantasy shit to have a simple story that's easy to understand yep. this game does that but then where it shines is for people who are interested or people who find themselves liking the, the world and the sto- and things going on the game that they're playing there's so much more for them to sink their teeth into and the way that it's discovered and like through either like NPCs or item descriptions feels like organic and, like, you're figuring out a world, things about a world that is unfamiliar to you. And it all just adds to the, the way you experience the story. Yeah. Right. See, my experience with uh, Dark Souls the first time that I played it, so a couple of years ago, is that I didn't have the slightest idea what was going on, because... The opening cutscene, while one of the most, like, badass pre-rendered cutscenes I've ever seen in my life, (laughs) fell into that trap of just being like, here are a thousand proper nouns that you don't know anything about yet, introducing the characters. What's really cool about the game is that, like, it says, like, it's like, and Nito, the Grave Lord, fucking did some shit. Yeah. And you're like, what the... Dude, just like a big mound of skeletons. <laughs> and then, like, later in the game, you're just like, there he is, hit him to death. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and that gives such like it makes a bunch of promises to the player earlier, and on. it fulfills. Them. Yep. And that's even the though you don't thing. even know it at the time. Yeah. You don't even know that they're promises. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You don't yeah. even know it at the time. Yeah, you, you, they they just the promise is in relation to the thing that everyone thinks sort of on like their animal brain level when they see cool badass cutscenes like that, which you'd be like, oh man, that guy must be so strong. Yep. <laughs> But uh, now, I was going to say, I think even though there are plenty of proper nouns thrown around, I think that intro cutscene is really well done, because I still think it's easy to understand. I, I don't think it's easy to understand, but I just chalk that up to, like, my complete inability to engage with, like, old English fantasy language. Yeah, sure. But I also so think... I'm not going to, like, argue against it. I think it's not easy to understand, but I think that this might also just be, like, another intentional choice in attempting to, like, relate... Miyazaki's experience with these novels. Like, right? Because saying that he fell into the trap that is created by all these, like, crazy fantasy novels when they just go into this huge lore dump over a huge period of time, that was his exposure, probably, right? Because he just read these huge lore dumps at the beginning and he was just trying to reflect that, I think. I think, that's I think some... it's... I would interpret it a different way, is he's giving you, at the beginning, stuff that he was able to understand, and, like, it's everything else that you have to fill Figure in. It, yeah. It kind of gives you... It's giving you, like, the concrete information that you'll have. Yeah, it gives you, basically, the beginning, middle, and end, and then you just have to piece fill together what in. connects them together. Because, but, like, what all of the beginning tells you is, like, everything was darkness and there were dragons. Right. Then the fire came, or then the lords found the powerful souls, got super powerful, they're the gods now. Yeah. They, one of the dragons was different, a misfit dragon. Right, he got picked on. He got picked on, he was like, hey, these gods here, gonna team up with them, tell them how to beat the dragons, they kill the dragons, they have their age of fire, but now it's the fire's fading. There's an undead curse. Humans are a race now. Also came from the darkness. Right. And importantly, the furtive pygmy, yes. so easily forgotten, yes. did something. Yes. He found... <laughs> importantly, I don't remember. He found... I don't know. That's not... That's literally how it's like presented. Yeah. It's like the furtive pygmy... So, it's a mystery. So easily forgotten. I, it, he found a fourth different soul within yeah. the flame, and he waited for the fire to subside. Yeah. So, that, so we don't, we literally don't know. Yeah, it's okay, that first presented as a mystery. Yeah, I actually don't even now know what that's referring to. Yeah, because yeah, everyone it's forgets, because it's the stuff. one thing that's never referenced over and over in the game, is like the existence of this fourth guy. Other but anyway, stuff, yeah. so then, uh, then there's the undead curse, people go to Lordran to try to find a cure for it, boom, game. Right. That still is, that's a, that's a lot of stuff. But not like, it's a simple story, but presented with a lot of different proper noun actors in the beginning. Like, the, we have individual cutscenes for Seath, for Nito, for Gwyn, it for just the Witch of Isolith, for the Throat of Pygmy. Sure, but I'm just and saying is that I can understand why that would be overwhelming, even if, like, the overwhelming line is clear. Yeah. Being shown that line from the perspective of, like, six people. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that being said, I, I, I guess, because we talked about this. Last time as well on Skyrim, where it's like, just all of this stuff. See, yeah, I feel you. like this game doesn't ever cross into that territory. I think it manages it a lot better. Well, I think that you just are allowed to not know what's going yeah. on and yeah. figure it out yeah. as you go along, or don't. In, in, in Dark Souls, you're watching like the history video, and in Skyrim, 
I'm sitting on this couch looking at the TV, and you're in the other room, and I'm telling you what's happening on the video that only I can see <laughs> yeah. here. But I mean, even... Yeah, it's like, you don't need any of it in Dark Souls to, like, enjoy the game. Right. And even if you completely forget everything in that cutscene, you're going to be able to piece that stuff together on your own if you want to, through stuff in the world. Right. That's, I mean, and the, the, the thing that I... The reason I brought up Skyrim at all is just because, like, we talked about it then... And we're talking about it now. And we've talked about it before, about how fantasy has this habit of doing that. At some point it ceases to be a trap, right? Like, this, it's now just, like, an accepted part of the genre. Which sort of makes it more unforgivable that a game that breaks every other convention set up in modern games still does the same thing. I'll give, it's just self-destruction. I think there's a difference. I think having... Like, setting things up at the beginning, before the game starts, and, like, be like, here's all here's your chessboard, here's pieces, play the game. Mm. It's kind of what it does. And, the, and like, something like Skyrim is, like, story starts, then you go to a character, and they're like, dump exposition, dump exposition, <laughs> dump exposition, while you're playing the game, and you're experiencing the story. Dark Souls doesn't do that. It gets anything it needs to do out of the way at the beginning, and then just lets the game happen. Right. I think that's, like, a big difference. Yeah. The NPCs don't, like... One is way more palatable. Yeah. When you go into the game, uh, the first, like, NPC you're presented with is Oscar. That's his name? Yeah. Yeah, Oscar. And uh, he just sort of, like, helps you and is a good general dude. Uh... And then you leave, and everyone from that point on basically treats you like garbage. <laughs> yeah. With the, made with the possible exception of the magic blacksmith. That guy seems super appreciative of what you're doing. And the definite exception of Slayer, man who's oh, yeah. dedicated and his life to being a bro. Laurentius yeah, is really a nice guy. There well. are very few people who are exceptions to this rule. Which, of course, makes Oscar the low-key saddest fight in the game. Uh, he's like, you're like, ah, no! Yeah. Why are you killing me? <laughs> he warns uh, you. He warns you. Yeah. But at no point do any of those shit-talking NPCs throwing shade on you. Uh, at any point, like, just sit down and go, like, all right, well, listen to this. Yeah, they never are like, ooh, the dwarf moon is coming. Right. Yeah. Which I give credit for, but in the game that I've already said doesn't really respect your time. Like, I probably would have even been more accepting of it if they did, because I would just ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope to run. I, like, I was upset <laughs> when they replayed the cutscene of, uh, like, Ornstein taking Smo's soul every time you get to the midpoint of the box, because I was like, this is like eight seconds that I could be dying inevitably and making the run back <laughs> to the bus. Uh... Not that upset, obviously. But, I know, I know, I know. Well, I was just one thing uh, that you mentioned that the story is often told through oh, yeah. like things like item descriptions. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really nice touch. Um, it kind of rewards you for like going into the menu and actually like trying to suss out what a thing does. It rewards exploration too. But <laughs> sometimes I do kind of wish that they were like just a little bit more explicit with what an item did. Just not in the ones that are like secret rewarding things for finding it but like how about you just tell me how many souls I get when I pop yeah. a thing that'd be nice yep. yeah and, like anything just give me a number 
Just throw, you gave me plenty of numbers on the level yeah. up screen. You <laughs> gave me hundreds of numbers. Yeah. There are, Just one more number, please. Yeah, there are, like, definitely occasions where they're like, oh, well, your character would know. Right. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's, that's not so even true. to everything. I know. That's not even true, because you pop one. Yeah. Like, if you were, like, writing it down, there are, like, 14 different varieties but, 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 of But the, the, the line of thinking would be, like, your character know that you're getting 14,000 souls <laughs> no. when you pop this The thing. game clearly doesn't care uh, about I, that. I know. Right. It, it, the, the game wants to care about it sometimes, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's picking it, its battles. It definitely tries to have its cake and eat it, too, in a few places. Yep. But, um, yeah. But the NPCs. The NPCs. Do we like them? Do we like the decision to like a Dark Souls' approach to NPCs? Uh, I do. I do, but I hate all of the NPCs. All of them? Uh, there may have been a few that... Do you remember in any of my musings, did I like express any affection toward any of the NPCs? I feel like there were a couple of them. Grandmaster right? Griggs? Oh, Grandmaster Griggs is pretty great. Who's Grandmaster Griggs? Griggs, Griggs is Logan's like assistant guy. Yeah, he's like oh, the yeah. lesser okay, guy. Okay, okay. I remember I was a... Uh, my... Faith in Griggs was slightly, wa- uh, like, it waved a little bit when uh, I showed up wearing Logan's hat, and he was like, I'm sure Logan's out there doing his job, fine. And I was like, like, I, like, still have his blood on my face. <laughs> I'm holding a picture, like, a, a, I'm holding, like, the pet shaming, like, whiteboard that just says, like, I killed Logan. <laughs> He's just not paying attention. Uh, do you like Framp, too, right? Uh, Framp, well, I like Framp because... I think Framp is inarguably the most entertaining NPC in the game. He just makes noises, he falls asleep on you, he transports you around by literally eating you. Like He's definitely the most entertaining. That's, and that's, he's also definitely the one that got the most weird looks in response when someone was asked to like design that model or do that VO <laughs> Oh my god! Did, I don't know if I told you about this. Yeah? The first time I saw Fram, who I've seen before. Yeah. The first time I saw him in my playthrough was, like, comedic gold. And I have to imagine that they planted. Yeah. Because, like, I got up from the bonfire at Firelink and started walking and, like, had the camera, like, just hovering around, like, watching where I was going. Mm -hmm. And I walked past the archway and it goes through the archway 20 feet another door and then through the door there's just this like mustache snake yeah yeah and I was like I like walked by and was like and then turned like did like a double take and I was like <laughs> was that a and then I was like ah uh, and just ran over there to talk to him <laughs> I was like when did that show up it's, yeah I give that character artist like huge props yeah because Frampt I've always felt like walks this thin line between like not fitting in the game and but he still manages to like not contrast with it yeah, yeah. and like i think that's reflected in his voice acting too because like his voice acting is also like kind of goofy but like never really breaks like almost patrick stewart for some yeah, reason almost. yeah i'm actually his character and like just the inherent goofiness that he like treats the world with mm-hmm. it really makes me like unsure of how I feel about Karth. Because Karth is treated as, like, this the serious version of Framp. Mm-hmm. He's... But they, like, they're operating under 
explicitly opposite goal. He's the most straightforward NPC. Or yeah. the seemingly straightforward NPC. Right, anyway. right. Yeah, because, like, we don't, like, theory, I don't know anything at all about Dark Souls 2 and what it did to, like, the story of the first game. Nothing. Okay. Uh, but, I like, because we don't actually know, in theory, like, what ending... Well, we're assuming well, neither ending is Dark really Souls, canonical. Dark Souls 2 kind of canonizes the Link the Fire ending. Ah, okay. But either way, like, we don't really know if either one is long-term, like, a good or bad decision. Oh, yeah. Right. Or, for that matter, Karth is operating under anybody's, like, will other than his own. We do yeah. know that Karth is responsible for bad things happening in the DLC, which you didn't actually experience. I didn't get Wait, He's DLC? responsible for the downfall of Ulysseo. Oh. He gave people the... Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because he, he's trying to, like, he wants people... If you join his covenant... He wants people to steal souls. He yeah, wants yeah. people to bring him humanity. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, kind of, like... And he, like, comes from the abyss. Yeah, and he, he destroyed the other place. That's just his MO, is that he gives people the ability to steal souls. Yeah. And then, you know, as things would traverse as you expect. Yeah. I think what he's trying to do is, like, recreate the dark soul yeah. with humanity. Yeah. More cool lore things about this game, but yeah, but yeah so I think he might just reason... be having like selfish intent, and we yeah. don't. Know. I feel like we're like so accustomed to like dismissing lore a lot of the time yeah. when we talk about these games, but it's like it's so much a part of what appeals to some people mm-hmm. about this game that it's like unavoidable. Oh yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely yeah. like it. I'm just saying that it's like my favorite part of the game. Yeah. <laughs> With, I was trying to because I wanted to get back to an explanation of that I think might exist for why. Frampt is such like the goofy human being that I think he is. Human I, being. Yeah, whatever. He, <laughs> he speaks like Patrick Stewart. Serpent. He is a person to me. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think it's the like the the overall deeper intent for him is that you're supposed to feel like he's treating you like a toy. Mm. That's at least the way that I've internalized it. Yeah, I feel like, in retrospect, you're supposed to feel that way anyway. I don't know that I ever felt like that on my first playthrough. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely in retrospect. Yeah, I think but, yeah. you're supposed to just, like, kind of trust him. He's, yeah. Like, he seems so, like, you know, like... Ho-ho, yeah, kind of... Like, like, he's, like, friendly, and he's, like, kind of warm to you, like the rest yeah. of the world isn't. It's I all... wish that was possible to express as an episode title. What? Kind of ho-ho. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So that, yeah, like, once you link the fire at the end and you just get burnt alive, you're like, what the yeah. fuck? That's what it's all yeah. recontextualized, is once your hand starts going on fire and you're watching your hand go on fire, that's when yeah, you're, like, you're oh, going to uh, think back. That is yeah, the, uh-huh. That's the ending I went with, by the way. And, uh, man, seeing that crown burn, that would have burned for days. <laughs> So you you were the bonfire in that case. So oh yeah, we were the extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just left the thing burning forever. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about NPCs, I think. Maybe. Yeah. We're kind of like. Now I want I wanted to bring up Solaire, because obviously he's like the runaway favorite right. of the community, and I fucking hate Solaire. Hate Solaire. He's the one NPC that does just like sit down, grab a cup of coffee. I'm gonna fucking go on. A, I'm gonna go on a lore dump. Like no, he doesn't. Yeah, the do first that. time you talk to him, it takes like I would say that from the time that you, if you were just if you hit A and then listen to 
his whole dialogue option, then press A at the earliest available moment to listen to the next one until you get the option to join his covenant from the beginning. It probably is like a three-minute period. Like, he just goes on about... And he, I didn't care about anything. He doesn't, go on, he doesn't talk about lore. He talks about himself. Well, right. And you can't join his covenant. No, well, I don't know what the option is. He gives you the... I don't he, know. The he, things that he, he talks about... Is he gives you the... Ability to summon. Right. Yeah, he doesn't talk about lore. He's just like... He's just like a cordial person. Right, but I didn't want to listen to him talk. That's like... <laughs> well, that's like the thing that this game does so well, is that people don't just sit there and give you line of dialogue after line of but dialogue. he really and doesn't... he's the only one who does. He really doesn't talk that long. That's not even the reason I hate him, though. I just don't like him, because he's... He's just always... And then, anytime after that, he, like, barely talks to you at all. Right. But, his, um... His thing is, he's just sort of like, Hey, buddy, my you thing. Doing? With Soul No, the guy who does that is uh, uh, Chris Pontius from Jackass. What's that guy's name? I always forget his name. The guy with the big onion helmet. Oh, Siegmeier. Oh, Siegmeier. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, the cleric guy. He's the one who... His name Chris is P. Pontius. Yeah. Petrus. Petrus. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really bad with these names. Chris Pontius from Jackass. Uh... Siegmeier is the guy who I feel is like, is like the yo buddy what's up. Because he's always just like puzzling over an area. Siegmeier is sleeping. Siegmeier and Logan are my favorite NPCs. I like Logan a lot. It's weird that, to me, this is my personal experience I just want to talk about. Yeah. Because like, Solaire is like the runaway favorite of like the fandom of Dark Souls. Right. And like, to me... I don't think Solaire would have stood out that much, personally, like, if I played this game in a vacuum. Yeah. Which, I just think that's a weird... Like, choice. Phenomenon. I think, like, the like, reason, as J.J. stated before, I think it's just because, like, he's constantly, like, available to help. Yeah. So you can just but call see, him in. I didn't summon to that. ever mm-hmm. when I play it. That actually... I'm gonna spin off of that, we can come back to the NPCs in a second, okay. uh, because there's something that's moderately important to my understanding of this game that I've only come to recently. Uh, I disliked playing the bosses as, like, a challenge because of the nature of, like, the... just how the game treats it. Like, having to do the boss run. Like, bosses being, like... There's no forgiveness at all. Uh, And you never summoned. Right. But I summoned... Well, I only ever summoned JJ, really, uh, in Dark Souls. But I've been using the bells in Bloodborne frequently. Mm-hmm. Even just, like, for kicks. And I'll use the resonant bell. The one that lets me go help a dude all the time. And it's way more fun. And I think that it's it's scratching the same itch that a game, and this is where you grow in a second time, like Monster Hunter does. Because yeah. it feels less like, uh, like just like a back-breaking, like, uh, just repeating challenge, and more like a cooperative, like, hunt. Like, it's an effort. Like, the two people working together, one guy, like, teaming up to fight something that's much stronger and much better than both of you. And it's like, that is so enjoyable to me in comparison to just bashing my head against it until I figure it out and beat it. Absolutely. It's the reason that the last two characters that I played were all based around cooperative efforts, just me approaching a different way. Uh, with the second one being 
the most important in that way, and that it was like the faith character who was the guy who ran around and just <laughs> did Ornstein and Smog 60 times with people. Right. Because I found it a fun thing to assist with other people. Mm. I didn't even know uh, until much later in, uh, I believe, my second run that you could have like three people summoned at the same time, which literally just kind of turns it into like a mini party raid. Oh, it's and hilarious. It gets, yeah, because it gets so easy at that point that it's just like, you, person, member of the Power Rangers team that you're on, go do your thing. And they will, and it's... <laughs> It just turns it into a fun experience instead of the stressful experience. Right. But it's a thing that you have to like work to opt into. Right. And I think that's what it is that's making me enjoy, in addition to a myriad of other reasons, it, the boss fighting, at least, in Bloodborne more is because I'm more open to... I don't take it as a personal challenge anymore. I just see it as like another aspect of the game where this is my multiplayer moment, where I bring right. somebody in. Yeah, I've been summoning people on my newer character and in Bloodborne this most recent time through and I think it makes it like laughably easy <laughs> to summon people for bosses. Oh yeah, it yeah, absolutely like even does. more so than Dark Souls though. Well, oh, I think really? it's only it's laughably easy in comparison to doing it by yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's still a challenge, but just us like a, it's less than half. Yeah, I believe yeah. I I actually had this conversation with you specifically before. It it makes the game like normal video game easy. Right. Like, but like, I, I would argue that in Bloodborne it makes it even easier than that. <laughs> it depends on the boss. Cause, yeah, because like like all the bosses I've done with co-op on this most recent playthrough have been like not even a little bit challenging. Our uh, Dark Beast Paro run was a little bit yeah, like we, how underwhelming. Fast, how fast did we kill that thing? We killed it twice in less than five minutes. Yeah. Wow. And then we killed the boss after that. Pretty quickly with the both of us, too. To be fair, the boss after that is easy, anyway. Yeah. So. Either way. But, like, it's a boss that playing by myself, like, it took me, like, three tries. Right. And we beat it effortlessly <laughs> two times <laughs> in yeah. less than, like, eight minutes. Dark Souls doesn't even have that. Like, Dark Souls, when you summon a guy, like, it's still going to take some time. It's not just, like, a, you mash them into the ground sort of a thing. You have to be smart about it. Yeah. Uh, on almost every boss. There's no... Okay. I guess this is a good clarification point, because I, I haven't played Bloodborne yet, so I don't know if this is the way that you guys approach things when you have multiple players together working against a boss. But in Dark Souls, there's no, like, spamming circle, which is the classic multiplayer RPG thing where you surround the thing and then just stab it to death, like what would happen right, in right. real life That's if you got into we... a fight at a bar with right. people who But with a guy who is just right there. Yeah. The, the reason this doesn't work is just because you're usually fighting something that's seven stories tall <laughs> and, like, farts clouds of noxious gas. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it is in Bloodborne. Like, every boss that I've co-opt is just... You just tennis ball the boss back and forth. <laughs> I disagree, like, heavily with that. Like, I don't... I mean, obviously this is not the Bloodborne per compared to Diecast, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, like, I found that, and I, I find it true in both games, albeit, like, Bloodborne's playstyle is so different. I think the reason it feels like that is because it's just a more hectic game. True. And so the bosses in Bloodborne generally take me half, if not less, of the time, even when I'm struggling, yeah. than in Dark Souls, because Dark Souls is still, like, a hide-behind-a-shield game for me. Right. Especially with the bosses, because it's just like, if I get hit once, I'm just a corpse. <laughs> You're already a corpse. This Fair is enough. Dark Souls. I get an ex I'm an extra corpse. 
Uh, you're already dead. Restart the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it should have been Dark Souls. Were you prepared to already be dead? Edition. <laughs> uh, Christ. Um, are we missing something? Well, do we want to go to Takers? Do we want to go back to NPCs? I mean, I don't really care. Yeah, I like I mean, that you can kill them and take their items sometimes. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. Is nice. Yeah. Consider- considering the theme from the Skyrim cast, we're like kind of pro random murder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pro random murder. I mean, I didn't randomly murder anybody in Dark Souls except for Latrek. Except for Latrek, because I told you to kill him. You were like, he's gonna kill. You just like offhandedly were like, he's gonna like kill the firekeeper, and then you'll have to go like get her like revive her. And I was like. Fuck that guy! <laughs> like I just get unreasonably angry about it, and then like went and just like blew him yeah. away. On your first playthrough, that's like devastating. That fire link isn't usable. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Mm. Like on the se- like my most recent playthrough, I let it happen, and it wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah. What I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not not allowing that. But what I do want to talk about in the context of co-op uh, is just this games like asymmetric and symmetric combo multiplayer, I think is like, I can't think of another game that could do this and it'd be good. <laughs> like, this just off this. hand. Elaborate. Like, well, with this being like, the combination of uh, the notes and the specters. What do they call that in this game? Uh, I don't. I forget it completely. I don't the, the, the blood stain. You touch the blood stains and they yeah, show yeah, up in the yeah. game. Phantoms. Phantoms. They're phantoms in this game. And then the summoning system and the invasion system is such a good thematic, like, fun, interesting, cool way oh. to tackle multiplayer in a AAA game. Absolutely. Like, thank God this game does not have, like, a dedicated, like, server lobby multiplayer where you just, like, load in and then like you're on two like teams of two you're like <laughs> in a, like a death match I mean like, they, that they added so that weird. into they, the DLC yeah they added like a fighting arena yeah but it's within the context of the game it's like literally a place oh. you walk to that's a fighting arena okay. yeah uh, it's like a coliseum but that's, fine. That's, a, that's a fine concession to just like be like we drew a circle yeah. like yeah. fight here it it's, was that it was literally that concession it's like underneath mm-hmm. where you fight Artorias Oh, which is in a big... Never mind, yeah, perfect big sense. <laughs> That's why I got invaded when I turned human to try yeah. and get help fighting it. Yeah, people invade there all yeah. the time. Fart Commander. Because yeah. everyone... <laughs> that was the source of Fart Commander? No, it, it was that in was Tomb of the Giants. Oh. Yo, if you're listening to this, Fart Commander, <laughs> I kicked your ass. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> He was like, gosh, I couldn't have this bonfire. I was like, yeah, go for it. And then, like, he immediately got invaded. Like, like, I was like, <laughs> fart commander invaded. I was like, no! <laughs> Which fart commander? It's like, why, why did you invade somebody in Tomb of the Giants? Yeah. Well, the dude obviously, like, didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just, didn't like, have a light source. Yeah. And, then, and you handed him his ass. Yeah, he just, like, kind of stumbled into me, and then I just, like, I thought completely that, ruined it. Yeah, because we thought he wasn't going to show up. Because, right. like, he didn't spawn anywhere near you. And then he came down that slide. <laughs> <laughs> he slid. Yeah. He came down that slide. 
on the slide and he's like, oh, there's Park. <laughs> if, he, if he had killed me, he would have just been like the living embodiment of Agent J in Men in Black. Where he's just like, I just like fight by rolling, by getting smacked around and then just like pull it out at the last minute. Like, it was so comical because he just blindly slid down and like stumbled into me. I was using the great scythe at plus 14. It was just like, get out of here. Yeah, there was like way. a split second I thought he was going to fall into the hole where Patches is. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> he was just rolling around. Yeah, this is the one time I ever won an invasion. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about it was just comic gold. And there was the question, what must it have looked like from his perspective? Because obviously... I'm, like, a considerate human being, so I didn't invade anyone in Tomb of the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's bad for both people. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, what does it look like from your perspective? Can you see the opponent with their light source? Is it just, like, a guy with a torch, like, just jogging around? <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. So, like, he had to find his way to him. Right. Though, yeah. no That'd be light. so confusing, too, because you had no way to, like, know the path in between where you see light over there and where you are. So you could just be like, I'm just gonna walk right over there to your death a hundred Be- times. Benefit of the death he could have had like a torch in his like left inventory slot and he could put have it had away when he found me maybe he was trying to sneak up on you right uh-huh. but I'm not that comfortable giving the benefit of the doubt to a Defort guy named Fort Commander <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'll, I guess I can also say that considering my character's name was Slut Ruffles <laughs> I don't really think that uh yeah he was another member of the Vulgarity Assault Team right so, yeah <laughs> Just anyone with yeah. a stupid name. Yeah. Uh, it's also known as YouTube, the Volterity. Right. Uh, assault team. Yeah. Volterity <laughs> Assault Team. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, yeah, every other time I got invaded, though, like, it seems... Why can someone just roll in and fuck your shit up when you're, like, actively doing uh, an objective? Like, it feels so lame when it happens. Oh, yeah, I hate the invasion system, personally. I love it. I think it's Capital great. L, That's love why it. I love the other online functionality, but play offline because I hate the invasions. <laughs> so I'm missing out on something that I would like about the game because I don't I feel like be because you have to opt into it by becoming human, it, I think that it's not worth not playing online for. Um... But I mean, like, you're gonna go human for other reasons. It's then, true, but like you get one life, true. and then you lose it. So, I mean, I just think it's really annoying and stupid. It's annoying. It, it's annoying like, when it's like who invade you, at a clutch time. Yeah, you know? and like yeah. people who invade you are like almost always going to be people who are better than you. I think it's prepped to invade you. Yeah. Right. Well, additionally, though, I think that there's also a bias. To the fact that the game is now five years old. Yeah. It's like a fighting true. game. Like, the people who are still playing it are playing it because they're really good at it. Yeah. So, if you're playing the game for the first time, go human, get invaded. I'd say that you have a, like, one in a hundred chance Absolutely. of it being, like, a person <laughs> yeah. that you can reasonably handle. See, which is yeah. what I don't like about it. Right. Yeah. And but like, it just happens it's so almost, yeah, yeah, it's almost always going to be somebody who's just going to kill you immediately. Yeah. Completely agree that it, it's sort of, it's like, Partially time contextual in that the game of the sold, and also, but unfortunately, not contextual in that the people who are invading you prepared to invade you and you are not prepared to be invaded. Right. The reason why I love it is because it really strongly reinforces the like 
stuff that I liked about the game, which was the constant tension of preparation for being fucked up. Right. Like, even though it's almost always, like, unwinnable situations because the amount of overlap between what you need to know to win Dark Souls and the amount of overlap you need to try and, like, win PvPs is not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still a thing that made me feel like I could be threatened any time, but that I still had partial control over. I just had to, like... it was. It's like a risk-reward thing, obviously. You go human, you have the possibility to make your life easier at a huge cost. And I like that it was a thing that I could manipulate in that way. Have this this leads into a stupid thing. Yeah. Uh, have I told you guys about mom souls yet? Mom souls? Yeah. I, I, I forget, it was like days ago. I think it was one, time, one of the times I was playing with you, but I might have been saving it for the cast. I'm of the opinion that Dark Souls is like the perfect frame game for like a television reality shows, like the version. Okay, <laughs> this is this is gonna require a stupid amount of setup. Okay. Uh, I if I was like a hilarious billionaire, I would love to like hold a reality show in which you get like twelve mothers with only like the barest inkling of like what a video game is, mm-hmm. uh, and you know put them in a house for a year. And say, like, the first person who sees the credits roll in Dark Souls gets, like, $1 million scholarship for their children. Or something like that. And then, you just let them loose. And you give them no other information. They're just living in the same house. But they all have, like, their own separate, like, rooms with, like, their separate copies of Dark Souls. And the online is structured such that they only interact with each other and nothing else. I think that would be stunning. Like, I would pay money to watch that. Imagine someone with, like, no video game experience, like, learning and politically metagaming the implications of, like, trading items that you can do in the game, where you can just drop stuff and and someone else will pick it up. Uh Imagine being able to, like, intelligently invade and assist people. But imagine if everyone in that whole group was at, like, an equal baseline skill level but had the potential to get better. It would be unreal. I, I am sad that this will probably never exist because for a million expenditure-related reasons. But. I'm just sad that the term that was used for it was mom souls. <laughs> I, I like the name, honestly. <laughs> if this show existed, that's what it would be called. Right? <laughs> like, uh, well, it, you can see, like, fairly interesting, albeit not, like, clinically, like, <laughs> delineated like that, yeah. uh, interactions like that in a lot of other games, like, uh, specifically, like, this recent rash of survival games that have come out. Like, yeah. World War Z and Rust are both great for this kind of thing. Yep. Where you, when you encounter another person, you don't know what their intentions are, but then you can continue to interact with the same person and get, like, a, like a, you can get in their headspace. Absolutely. And it does play like a reality show, where it's like, this person could be, like, a complete tool bag and is just playing along. Yeah, because it's literal social circumstances right. in a game like Rust. In fact, Dark Souls actually does kind of present a barrier to that because the person you summon to help you cannot just stab you in the back. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was, that was, that's why you gotta collect all the moms and you put them in a house so right. they have to interact with each other. So they can uh, literally stab each other in the back. Yes. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like, I just, I just want to, like... Janus invaded Gloria moments to like exist on television, <laughs> and then you see Janus and Gloria two like actually equally matched fighters like engage in martial combat. Yeah, I like it. 
I can't believe I haven't brought this up yet. Yeah. Uh, the rift between us and the fact that I wish this game had music. Oh, God. We have Sweet a... Christ, I can't believe we didn't tell you <laughs> Yeah, that. Jesus. Yeah, you're just objectively wrong. Yeah, you're... I know that you both feel that way. <laughs> but okay. I'll yeah. state my case, and I acknowledge it's a personal thing. All but, right. But I'll make the same argument I made... Of what did I make this argument against? Oh, the horse controls in fucking Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> oh, right. Just because there was a specific goal... And because they were going for something, and that they even, like, accomplished the goal, doesn't make it good. So, the idea is here that there's no music, it's supposed to be more immersive. Like, you hear what your character hears, and then they want the contrast between the regular game and then the boss battles, you know, the no music to music to make it more climactic or whatever. (laughs) It has the exact opposite effect on me, whereas, like, once an hour, like, every time I'm playing, I'm just, like, walking along with my character going, shunk, 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 where I'm like, I wish this, I just wish this had some ambient music. Like, something <laughs> to, like, make these sound effects seem less goofy, or, like, make things stand out less. Also, I'm super glad that our podcast had ambient car noises <laughs> for this discussion. Wait, you think the armor noises are goofy? Yeah, dude, you can't tell me you didn't run down that aqueduct through the sewer water with your armor making noise. <laughs> so loud, just like running down that hallway. You just, you didn't laugh. And like, this is so ridiculous. I didn't laugh at all. I, I you, were, you were on Skype with both of us as I was laughing about that exact thing. Yeah, I, I remember, remember watching yeah. you play and like you running to the moss lady and I'm like, Imagine the moss lady at the end of this tunnel. And there's just like, like a dude just like, <laughs> <laughs> like running towards her, and we laughed about I it. Agree, but that's the thing that's funny about it is that circumstance, which is a guy sprinting like nine hundred feet toward one person at the very but, end. It's like that scene in Monty Python with, with Lancelot running from off screen. It's funny for that reason. It's not okay, funny for the sound fair. effect reasons. But me. like, because it would be like definitely loud if you were like in full fucking true. plate mail. It just, in an echo chamber, it's running through something water. that, like, to me, when I still when I first saw the game, I was just like, immediately just noticed the lack of music. Right. And it's something that never left me as much time as I've spent with these games. Is like I'll stop and be like, "Wow, there's no music." Like I'll be taken out of the game constantly by the like I'll just notice it. Right. And See, it's something I've never gotten used to. And it's just like, I think the game, for me personally, and I'm sure there's other people who feel the same way, because there's a million people. Um, <laughs> there are one million people. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's just like, if there was just some ambient music, like, I'm not even suggesting that it have, like, catchy Zelda Final Fantasy music. I'm saying, like, ambient music... So there could still be the contrast between, like, it and the boss battle music. Right. And, like, just something there to, like, balance out, like, the sound mixing the way that, like, other games are. Because I think that's what the difference is. Is like, there's certain, like, sound effects and things that are, like, just way louder and way more noticeable, and it just feels weird. I just... I never got that at all. Yeah, like, it ignores it just, the validity of your feelings. It, igno- it it annoys me. It actively annoys me the whole time I'm playing that there's no music. Right. See, my, like... When I think back to playing a game, 
that has an ambient, usually orchestral soundtrack, mm-hmm. I don't remember the music. And uh, that's I fine. I'm not remember. suggesting it right. have memorable. That's what I mean. Awesome I mean, like, music. I don't think about like, and not even like, I can't like recreate the music. I can't just like hum the music or something. Like, I don't. Part of my memory of the game is usually not that. Something like Zelda, as you brought up, is like the contrast where it's like when you the music is in tone with the game. Yeah. It's like you emerge into a field and you're like, Oh fuck, new area, sun's coming up, fucking horses yeah, running. It's around. a huge part of the game is right. the music. But most games that that have just like music happening, it's such like a non factor for me that like I I end up tuning it out anyway. I feel like Dark Souls takes that out of the equation, and I actually like the, like, ambient noises of the world more than I would like music. I briefly thought about being, like, a contrarian douchebag and being like, well, I don't even think the bosses should have music. But then I thought about how weird that would be. Yeah. And it's, it's a very different experience. Yeah. It's just, like, there's, like, at least one area in Bloodborne that does have ambient music. I've yet to to stumble across it's, before. It's, I just didn't notice. It's Yargle. Oh. It just always has music. I didn't notice. Yeah, that. and like, it, I just it's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like there's just like a, this ambient track playing, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> this feels so much better. And the fact that you don't make as much noise, it's just like it's something about the audio. I think. Yeah, I it's do just the agree. addition of music. The, the, the sounds of plate armor. See, this is the reason that we find the idea of Dunk Souls. <laughs> so funny. The Dark Souls basketball game where everyone just wears plate armor. Such a funny concept because, like, the lack of music, like... <laughs> With them like, on the actual, basketball court. Right, like, like because it does <laughs> mimic real life to the point where, like, when you're at a basketball game, there's not just constantly music playing. And just hearing just plate armor stomp around, it just is, is inherently. But it's clearly so funny because of the mix of plate armor and basketball. It's not funny and because you can just add plate armor to any scenario. And I'm also. Funny. I don't know about that. I'm also imagining like the squeaks of the basketball shoes in there as well. Jordans, but like covered by like the huge metal shit that they always have to have. Yeah, over your feet, yeah, plate armor. God damn it. Um, but yeah, I just it's. Always been an annoyance to me that there's like not no no backing like audio track. If we were having this discussion in like I'm ele- sure, like, 1100 AD somehow, yeah. this would be a situation in which like we and the majority of the culture would just well, like burn me. Yeah, yeah. It would burn you as a heretic not understanding your feelings and not wanting to take I mean, it to try. Completely understand what it's going for, <laughs> but it just it doesn't gel with me. I, I like it. I honestly kind of wish other games would take a, a cue from it, uh, but this also could come from the fact that I play a lot of games with the sound off. Yeah, this is another thing. Yeah, a lot of people play handheld games with the sound off, yeah. and like I never do that. I never do that either. I actually really love music in games generally. Yeah, and like because I don't know Daniel's like that. Like he never plays with the sound on. I'm like, no, I always plug in headphones so I can hear the music better. So I got right. these headphones right yeah. right here that I'm repping on. Yeah, like my 3ds. I like. Yeah cannot play like Pokemon with the sound off. 
Right. It like bothers me to not have the noises, the music. I mean, I don't know what it is. I feel like it gels like perfectly with my feelings on it. Like I feel like the music would get in the way and not be good. Right, now I and say perfectly clashes with your opinion on it. But I'm actually kind of like you love music and games, and not only that, but you love ambient like orchestral music yeah. that scores and the exact I, thing that you're dismissive of is the stuff I, that I and I'm more. like even, yeah. I'm suggesting very understated music. obviously not, not, even, course, not course. even like one violin in two rooms away from the microphone <laughs> yes playing with a bow made of like the thinnest like a plank also, length thick string if I'm remembering correctly I think the hunter's dream in uh, it does Mike it has music. also yeah. has music yeah. Something like that, like very in the background, mm-hmm. not like something that you like barely notice is even there. It just like it fills out the the sound. Well, well, but the music in the Hunter's Dream has its correlate in Dark Souls, which is the music at Firelink. Yeah, and that's great, and it should should be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we've uh, well, I was well, I was asking why you agree with the decision. And if it's oh, if it's in light of how much that I love music generally, right? Because the reason that I love music generally is at the way in which music functions as another avenue to express the tone of whatever scene is heading in the game. I love the music in a Zelda when you get into Hyrule Field, also known as the Hyrule Field music, right? Uh, because it's like that sort of like exciting, adventurous New Day spirit. What they're trying to express in Dark Souls is the cold loneliness of nothing. And then thus they provided that. Dude, what if they had... And I'll say it fits the game, but I yeah. still think you could express that feeling with some music. I bet you couldn't do that in The Abyss. Yeah, I would be. that would be even more effective if The Abyss if, like, you just, just had cut music. Out. That would it would be actually funny. be interesting if The Abyss like, also turned off your like armor sounds. Yeah. I feel like that would be oh, an interesting... That would be sweet. Yep. Yeah. Like, the only sounds are just like your sword hitting the four kings. Yeah. Get on that from HD remake. <laughs> Dark Souls new engine that isn't the Havoc engine, please. On that note, King of Segways. Um, <laughs> See, you automatically ruin the segway. Yeah, we have done that whole episode. Is every time we've destroyed every segway, just being like segway, segway, segway. Well, the only reason that I said it there was because it was actually not a segway and terrible. Um, That's true. Right, I. I'm totally ready to end this marathon podcast session. Anything burning holes in your guys' brains? Oh, that really is the like as close to antithesis of a segue you could possibly have. Yeah, I just wanted. It's just basically a pun, like a bad pun. I, I thought you were gonna go into how you love the Havoc engine because you like the ragdoll physics. Oh yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. I think that it's universally loved to roll into a wall and like make bodies like cascade around you. Because of their weird weightlessness, uh, yeah, that's just amazing. I sometimes when doing so, like when waiting for something to happen, like if I'm like summoning someone or like whatever, mm-hmm. I will just like clear an enemy or like an area of bodies by just rolling them off of cliffs and like out <laughs> windows. <laughs> All right. So now that we have that anyway out of the way, anyway. <laughs> now that we have anyway that. Yes. Is there anything else you want to like kindle this cast with, or? <laughs> so what are we playing next time? Next time we're going to be talking about uh, Journey, that game company's sort of breakout hit. Yeah.
Until that time, if you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us at NoClipPodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at NoClipPodcast, our website, NoClipPodcast.com, and on YouTube, just NoClip. Bye. (laughs) 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 You die. Wait a minute. What are we playing next time?